Welcome. Good to geek out. Good place to geek out. Place where geeks go. Out. Um, editor coming out of San Antonio, Texas today. Uh, we are covering Siege Transformers War for Cybertron Netflix series, um, episodes three and four. So, uh, spoilers ahead and realize we're not going past episode four. I'm Omar <laughs> coming from Gardena, and I'm also not going past episode four. Love your picture, Omar, by the way. Thank you. This is Rob Boba Fresh from San Francisco, and we'll be reviewing episodes three and four. And Ed, are we sure we're recording today? <laughs> Rob, Lucy, coming at you from Phoenix, Oregon. Excited to geek out. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So, uh... man, can I introduce myself? I don't get to be a part of this. This is Greg Ellis coming from West Hills. Man, I might as well be the freaking record button the way Ed be forgetting about me. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> Too soon, Brian. Too soon. <laughs> episode, uh, episode three uh, really kind of solidified. Uh, it brought me into this universe. Uh, episodes one and two kind of set the stage. Three and four set it set it on its path. Um, very interesting to see the uh, moral ambugit, ambu, ambiguity uh, from the outside perspective, uh, looking at, at Megatron and Optimus Prime. From my perspective, I think Optimus Prime is, or Optimus Prime is more the evil one here, even though he sounds good and all that. Megatron seems to be taking the higher road. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Evil is a strong word, I would say. Optimus definitely takes the position of the minority as far as his decisions regarding uh, what he plans to do with the AllSpark. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, Impactor's comments about uh, the Autobots sipping Energon behind their gilded walls and how the Decepticons were some sort of this, this, uh, the the serfs who were in the in the mines while the Autobots were not you weren't down in the mines with me and this and Megatron I, I believe that's what he told Optimus so it is kind of a different take on the relationship between the Autobots and the Decepticons where it kind of makes the Autobots this uh these bureaucratic uh, uh douchebags you, you know, know what I'm saying and so it makes you question some of Optimus's decisions now it almost comes across as like the the Autobots were having uh, uh, dinner parties <laughs> and Decepticons had to serve them their champagne. You know, it's the way it's like we're just beneath. Pinky out. Right. <laughs> what I was impressed with um, in, in that idea of world building and how uh, what you were saying about the Autobots, um, the showing of the cost of war, like one of the big things that was interesting to me in the first episode and i was like oh shit they just killed that dude like that seeker is dead and so it's very easy to just throw away a murder uh because it's in battle so it's you know it's a fucking casualty of war um but it's interesting when they really kind of explore uh all the wounded autobots and decepticons being taken uh to over to um, being taken 
care of together and just like what that neutral space ends up meaning. And um, almost to Lucy's point and what you're saying about evil, like it's not that it's evil as much as he's just going to extremes. And when anyone goes to an extreme, they just lose reason and they lose logic. And as soon as you lose the ability to reason with somebody, I mean, that's not necessarily evil, but like when you're so implacable that, that you're not going to change your path or you're not going to like listen to your right hand woman who's like, yo, every move you are making is a dumb move. And she has to like justify and convince herself like, all right, well, I guess it's the right tactical decision, but I swear to God, this is stupid. Yeah, and I, I can't help but make parallels to our current political situation where everybody is on the extremes, you know, like one Optimus Prime is ready to burn the planet down to the ground so his people don't become, you know, they don't become reprogrammed. You know, like Alita literally says, the old religion says if we remove the Allspark, the planet is dead. And Optimus is like, well, that's a risk I'm going to have to take. And, you know, Megatron is like, well, they ain't fallen in line, so I'm going to use the Allspark to mind wipe them. The imagery is perfect because if you think about it, like when you were saying Optimus comes off as almost the evil one, but if it was like there are two um, polar two opposite ends of the spectrum but they're both coming closer to each other because because uh, they originate from the same place yes right. but what i mean like because megatron was getting worse and worse as the episode went and it was okay he's losing that nobleness that they almost gave him from the beginning and he and and then optimus actually you know we were doubting him but you start to see his decisions are right so it was like you they started out with these with 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 a view of who they are and who you may think they are but then it comes clearer as it goes and i think that that lends into when specifically are using the word faction and um what's the Al alpha centurion the who's their boy um alpha triangle alpha, alpha triangle it reminds me of uh, Jefferson and the splitting of factions and Alpha Trion would be George Washington. And these are the splitting of the party because George Washington didn't want, there was supposed to be one party, there was supposed to be one uh, ideology that was behind a trusted leader. And then you had everything split off into factions and that's, we've lived in a bipartisan system ever since. And so I think again, the metaphors that they, it's interesting the levels of metaphors that they're using and is it up to us that we can't help but put our views of what's happening on the world on top of it or are they doing it intentionally because they are wishy-washy it seems um, on who would be a direct allegory for anyone which is a really interesting way that they're kind of playing it up. I mean, well, if you go metaphor perspective, and there's a lot of yin and yang, and if you have Optimus and Megatron kind of going between the light and the dark, or whatever you want to say, and you guys have already talked about Bumblebee being kind of in the middle of the road, so he would be like the Autobot version. And then going to what Omar talked about in our last episode, which was that Starscream is poisoning Megatron's mind slowly but surely. So he's, if Bumblebee is the apathetic one that's trying to not get pulled in, um, Starscream is 
the antithesis of that, which is not really 100% on board, but trying to poison everything along the way. And uh, so it's definitely very systematically done. That's all I would say. And like anything that comes out of that is definitely purposeful and intended. And, um, you know, proving that a star screen is against reprogramming the Autobots just because he wants to defeat them and basically put them under the ground. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't want. He doesn't want to control them. He wants to get rid of them. Yeah, Megatron's more like, "Are we need people to rule?" Which is which is a cool difference for Starscream because Starscream is always framed as such a whiny, ambitious uh, character and kind of made two dimensional in that way. And not to say that he's not extremely ambitious and backstabbing in this one, but the fact that they put this warrior code on him, the fact that they give him this uh, extra level of being a badass, and and again like everyone doesn't want the Autobots wiped out for some reason. So when that decision is coming to a crux, like every, every different faction has their own reason. Um, I would almost say that Bumblebee is, um, is Frodo. And, uh, and that would be like, he's our way into the world. He's small and, and just trying to get his hustle on. Um, but anyway, there, like I said, there's just a lot of allegories that you could put into this that go on for. What, what about the fact that they keep on both sides referring to it as Optimus's war, as though you know what I'm saying this is the revolution was is is, is on him. Mm-hmm. There's a part where Ratchet is where he's he's bringing the idea about the space bridge to Ratchet, and Ratchet was like, but it, but so, so that you can take your war to other planets as well. And like when he said that, it hit me. I'm like, oh man, they, they keep referring to this as Optimus's war. And I was like, that is definitely a new, a new take on this because you never really see it as Optimus's war, as like, you know, going back to you know Hanna-Barbera or and, and Mattel and all that, they weren't they weren't making it like Optimus was the reason why they had to leave Cybertron because he started some sort of a revolution. It was, you know, Decepticons were taking over and and Optimus was a re- rebelling, right? He wasn't revolting; he was rebelling. But um, um, I, he's he's he was uh, even in the cartoons, he was still a rebellion leader. And I think what he they may say Optimus War, but he's still a rebellion leader. He didn't start the war. That's what they're trying to make it seem as though like it, you know, he's the one who's starting this war. Ratchet, Ratchet is pissed because Ratchet sees it as though Optimus is starting this war, not that With he. The- you know what I mean? But I think that there's also, like, you know, when it comes down to the Trion, maybe it's Optimus's war in the sense that Optimus has that leadership ability. Like, every, you know, him, Ultra Magnus, and Megatron all have some aspect of what it is to be a leader, what it is to be in control. Um, so Optimus's ownership of the war, it's this weird thing, because, yes, it's a bad war, but if it's done for the cause of freedom, like... A right, like someone's war is another person's revolution. And so the way that they've done a good job in framing the concept of propaganda, because none of this is really incongruent with uh, Hanna-Barbera G1, is with a lot of exceptions, but um, mainly design-wise. But the way that the story goes and sets up, I think is, to make you on that side. Like we're never on the empire side, you know, like we're never on board with Darth Vader. 
And they do a good job making not just Megatron, but the entire Decepticon cause a sympathetic one. Well, yeah, and, and that's the interesting uh, aspect to this, where the Decepticons won the revolution at some point in time. They won the revolution. And now do you look at the Autobots as freedom fighters or do you look at, at them as terrorists? And, you know, and, you know, one person's freedom fighter is the other person's terrorist. Uh, you know. um, I, I mean, I, I guess if there's one, like, since we're not, like, really going chronologically about these episodes, if there's one thing you can pull away from these episodes is that it's, uh, it, it's making the viewer question what is, what they align with or what they don't, what is quote unquote right, what is quote unquote wrong. Um, you know, you see uh, Megatron being altruistic and then allowing Ultra Magnus to be tortured by Shockwave. Um, altruism. <laughs> he kept crossing line after line, and each line he could never go back. I would, al- I would also like to uh, give a shout out to Ratchet for un- undermining the term Ratchet these days. With his but, <laughs> the interesting thing is uh, Jetfire, and I remember that Impactor is the same one, but no one is... When Jetfire turns, he shows free will. So no one is uh, forced to be a Decepticon. No one is forced to be an Autobot. They have uh, this predisposition to be either. So I think it's interesting that the way that they flex that concept of free will in this episode, because we, G1, is like, oh, you got to, you're, you're bad. Right. And, and the way that they flip the Jetfire story to integrate into this story, um, I think, again, does that good job of what is free will and what is duty. And actually, that's perfect because what we were talking about earlier, which was everything's polarized now, right? The right and the left growing farther and farther apart. And you take Jetfire, who was a centrist, and the farther right that Megatron went, he got pulled away from the Decepticons because he he was going more and more extreme. and, And Jetfire was like, no, this is not what I'm doing. And it was like, okay, I'm okay with this while we're doing it like this. But if you keep going farther and farther onto the dark side, I can't follow you there. Because the question was, Jetfire, why would you come over to help the Autobots? And his quote was, because Megatron has fallen into darkness. He's basically saying, it's like, I'm not with that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Megatron has gone beyond trying to unify Cybertron now he's 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 moving closer to Starscream's ideal of eradication. Yeah, right, and, and, and control. The power of and, and that goes into this concept. Of what are, what is the power of leadership? What does a leader do if they don't do righteous things with uh, with the people that they have and the sway that they have? And they do a good job in regards to having that free will because Ratchet's got his free will. Bumblebee's got his free will, but as Megatron and Optimus Prime both slip into extremes, everyone underneath them slips into that same extreme. And we don't question they're slipping into the because they're following orders. Like, so it gets into that, I was just following orders, Nuremberg thing. And it's again, like, it makes for a good story. I, yeah, I, yeah, get, yeah, I, I thought I, it was, yeah, interesting that Impactor and Jetfire left. I was almost thinking that Alita would go to the Decepticons because she's she like, no. like, Optimus, you're ready to burn this whole thing down? 
Like I'm not behind that, but you're you're the guy, and you know it plays into the original G1 storyline where you know they they follow out. But yeah, nobody has left the Autobots to go to the Decepticons. We've had a couple of Decepticons, you know, uh, change change sides. Um, but you could go either way. You could really but that go goes to I think they're still smart the, enough to understand that. The Decepticon way is not one of compassion. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where the Autobots are willing to accept Impactor and Jetfire. I can't imagine Alita goes but, to the Decepticon and is received well. You, you know? know, in a way, you know, I, the devil's advocate, like Megatron is like, I'm not here to kill them. I'm just going to reprogram them and let them live. You know, that that's his thing. And Optimus is like, you know, I'm going to risk destroying the entire planet. And I think that they really do a great job throwing Alita into that mix because this whole concept is of what, what is evil? Is it good people standing by when evil is being done? Now, even if Optimus doesn't think what he's doing is evil, he's potentially going to kill the world. And Alita continues to fall in line and to, and to not push back. And we see everything kind of go to shit. Um, so yeah, I think that she was well written as this passive voice. Like when the uh, French Revolution is going on and all the executions are happening, and she's just standing by, letting heads roll. So like if, if okay, if we're gonna get out of the ideology of these episodes and everything, we talk about the the things that like happen towards the end. Um, I don't remember them. <laughs> we kind of we kind <laughs> I only think in big ideas. I don't speak gossip. Uh, that Starscream well, takes control of the Seekers, which we kind yeah. of have already touched on. And then, well, that, that's after uh, Jetfire. Jetfire leaves. Jetfire yeah, gets control. But the, I think the bigger the bigger thing is when Alpha um, Alpha Triumph, not Alpha Triumph, but Bumblebee gets the knowledge, and he's the one that that changes things significantly. And then and then so, there's, and that's that we're going on to episode five now. I think after episode. Yeah, we're at the end of four, but then I think also the, the fact I want to bring up besides the Bumblebee. That's still thing, four. That's still four. Yeah, that's four. Is that is that uh, you can't have the Matrix and have the chosen five? Well, right? you could. <laughs> they just chose not to. Uh, I don't think you're allowed to have both. I don't know what happened to you. I assume it's like uh, you know the U.S. government. But didn't Alpha Trion say to tell Bumblebee like they chose to split it up? Yes. Like they just yeah. So it sounded like he it told was, him. He told him they chose. Yeah. He said that he said they agreed that one Cybertronian shouldn't have all the power, so they agreed to share the power. Ultra Magnus would get the the protocols, and Optimus would get the Matrix of leadership. What do you what do you call that in government? Something checks checks and balances. Oh, checks and balances. Yeah. Yeah. Weird for it is not a, it is not a good checks and balance system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right, right. All about do it. But I also like that we see the brutality of the um, we see the brutality of the Decepticons also in this one because this is the one with the Decepticons having the Autobots all on the spikes on the pikes uh, while Mirage is out there, and um, and that's that's raw, you know, like that's not just shooting a person in the heat of battle, like you are picking them up. And you've fashioned these, these spikes because they have to have a T-bar at some point because otherwise it would fall all the way to the ground. So, like, they're designing pikes 
to impale Autobots on. And that's kind of evil. That's kind of hard. Vlad, Vlad Tepish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Omar, Omar, let me, uh, like, I guess the last question before we close out. Those guys want to say something. Um, your favorite uh, Transformer last time we did this was Jetfire. So how do you feel at the end when you see him uh, doing what he does, turning himself over to the Autobots? Like, how would that make you feel? I mean, for me, that was that was the moment I was waiting for. So it was like I wanted to see how that happened because they had never touched on that part. But you knew in his history, he was the one, he was the Decepticon who became an Autobot. Um, so for me, that was that was a cool thing, especially when you see how they did it with the storyline and how it was a, it was an actual progression, um, and it made sense. He know. killed Skywarp. Yeah, well, he was a you know he he couldn't have Skywarp going back snitching. <laughs> I mean, he 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 shot him just enough to allow him to say a few words. <laughs> yeah, he said a couple things, and then he had to go away. Yeah. All right, wait, wait. Before we before we leave episode four. I didn't go back and do my research on this because I thought this would be a good discussion topic, but the Guardians and the fact that they wouldn't help, they won't get involved. What do you guys think about that? The Asgardians are a bunch of hoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought it was interesting that Optimus was like, hey, he's going to use the, uh, spark of, um, the spark of life or, or All the spark. spark. To, to mind wipe us and like change our programming, but he failed to mention that he was going to take the all spark off of Cybertron. He he left that out of there, and I wonder if the Guardians would have a different perspective on or whether they knew guarding Cybertron and no. taking the all spark out of there. I imagine they knew that was also that was that's a great point, Lucy. That was also his main the main way he was able to calm down Alita was to assure her that oh I'm going to the Guardians. They're gonna help. They're gonna give me advice to make sure that you know, what I'm saying what we do when we, when I take the AllSpark off the planet, you know, maybe it won't wipe out everybody. And then as she leaves, he's like, and then he just bounces to go see the Guardians, right? He's like, finally, she shut up. <laughs> okay, well, what I don't understand about the Guardians and all that stuff is it's almost like. Uh, some shamanic stuff where you get reach in and like talk to your ancestors like it's kind of a weird thing for a robot uh civilization <laughs> to be able to do when they could just download programming right nah optimus went to wakanda and ate that purple flower <laughs> <laughs> but i That's i hear not. what ed's also saying in regards to um we had spoken about the ones who who are above and thor and walt simonson's and uh the ass guardians having gods like what happens when your gods have gods who do who does god pray to uh and they do a cool job interjecting that and it's weird because i like the jet fire storyline matters you know like everything that they put in matters they there's not a lot of waste or filler or you know repeat imagery that comes in here so to put in the guardians uh as this you know, like larger than life, uh, you know, uh, nigh religious fascination. They're like deities. They're kind of like yeah, deities. And, and I'm like, That's right. like, I get that you don't want to get in the squabbles, but the all spark's going to go off the planet and literally get destroyed. Do you not want to have a conversation about this? Do you not want, like, like, this is where you live too, right? Like, right? 
Yeah. And, and that, that was my start. point about that. Like, yeah, yeah, like he he says one thing, but he's also willing to roll a 50-50, flip a quarter on whether Cybertron is gone if he takes Elspark off, off planet. But and that's it, what I – So five. Dun, dun, dun. So came to a guy. So guys who are non-believer who don't believe in you guys anything. anything else any points anyone wants to have before we close roll out roll out pull out <laughs> yeah that's I'm always gonna think about that all right on that note Transformer Siege episodes three and four covered can't wait to finish them off with five and six with these guys um it's been very metaphorical this episode um, editor closing out San Antonio and I also like to say I don't understand all the vitriol towards this series online on Twitter and everything because if you like Gen 1 and you think that's entertaining how do you not enjoy this wrong stop arguing the argument enjoy life Ooh, vitriol nice use of words you speak so well this is Greg Ellis West Hills California Signing off. Uh, all, uh, one thing that we didn't talk about that I thought was dope was uh, I think Alpha Trion went out real G-like and with a smile. He was definitely smiling when they killed him. He knew exactly what he was doing. That was sure. super dope. This is Omar from Gardena, and I will literally see you guys in one minute. I'm out. This is Boba Fresh from San Francisco. Thank you for checking in. Roll out. Roll out. Rob, Lustock, Lucy, coming at you from Phoenix, Oregon. Had a great conversation. Loved it. Uh, let's hear what uh, your guys' opinions on are online. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. Love hearing from anybody else in the geek community. Good to geek out. Peace.